0: Topo bypass burger. That's right. try. Can you actually pick this up? I don't get it. Here I go. I don't know where to start. All
1: right. Here we go. How many calories is this, you know? 19,900 and
0: something.
1: 19,900 and something. Feel good about
0: myself. I have people literally staring at me. This burger has enough calories to last a normal human being for 10 minutes. Can't touch it. Well, I'm almost sorry about that because I am starving right about now. How many of you are starving? I am like, man, I I don't want to eat 40. Well, maybe I'd eat 40 strips of bacon, I don't know, but uh, anyway, well, welcome back to our series, Can't Touch This, and this morning, we're starting to get into some specific things. Uh, Last week, uh, we talked about, again, just setting the table, and we'll walk through that in a few moments, but this idea of just uh, figuring out these areas that seem to be untouchable, And, uh, you know, again, when we're thinking about food and we're thinking about those kinds of things, uh, we think about uh, McDonald's. And at McDonald's, here we've got, uh, you know, their regular quarter pounder cheeseburger. And what do they say there? 740 calories they ordered. You may have seen some of these pictures before. They've ordered the 20 worst for you hamburgers. And this was number 19. One of my favorites, Five Guys, made it to list number 14 with 920. Um, Wendy's, not too much of a Wendy's fan, but here's one for 1,090 calories. And then the top of the list, if you're going to like a box store, fast food, staying away from that uh, death place down in Arizona, you've got this one, Johnny Rockets, and this one is 1,770 calories. So as we're talking about food and we're talking about really what you put into your body, That plays into this idea of you can't touch this. Uh, You can't touch this. uh, As we're talking about this morning, we're going to talk about wine and weed. Woo, those things are hot, especially to talk about in a church. And when you think about uh, weed, you look at this uh, map. This is the most updated one I could find. Uh, If we went back just even a few years, we wouldn't see all these places where uh, medical marijuana is fine, and that's a whole other discussion, Uh, but recreational use, you can see there up on the graph, and then you can see the places that uh, have not moved any further on that item. So what do we do with that? Uh, What does the Bible say to that? What does God want us to do to some of these issues, some of these concerns, some of these areas that just seem to be too hot to touch? Again, society would like us not to really talk about some of these things. Keep them in the shadows, keep it to yourself. But really, if you and I, those of us who are Christ followers are gonna really follow Christ, we need to have some good ideas about this. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, and we've looked at different translations, but I like this one. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Beneficial to myself, helpful for myself. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive, and the idea is constructive and beneficial to those around us. So you and I that have said yes to Christ, there's a lot of freedoms in Christ, uh, you're going to see that this isn't about following rules. It's about following a relationship with God through Christ. And you and I uh, have a lot of latitude in there, a big box to play in, but we need to think about, is it beneficial or is it constructive? And obviously what we put in our body uh, has something to do with that. Uh, the message uh, paraphrase, Eugene Peterson adds this little thought, and I think it's a helpful thought, uh, but the point is not to just get by. Sometimes we think about how close do I need to get to the third rail Before it zaps me. And if that is our thinking. If that is our bearing. How close can I get to the third rail. Before I get zapped. We're just kind of like off a little bit. Even those of us who are Christ followers. It's not about what we can get by with. It's we want to have things in our life. That are beneficial to our walk with God. And also constructive. Impactful. Making a difference in somebody else's life. So really those are kinds of the mindset. We ought to start when we're thinking about this so again we're looking at a lot of options what are my options in all these areas and uh, what can i do what can i not do where what does the scripture say Um, we're going to be talking about this one more week and then we're going to take a break till january next week we're going to talk about gambling is that allowed is that or not What, what what are the guidelines around that what does scripture have to say what does god want us to do so we have basically putting this matrix together, this option matrix of how to think through, and the reality is, is that you and I can use this matrix for just about any area, any issue that's out there. If we slow down and think it through, it might take us more than 10 seconds to figure it out, but as you and I think it through, according to this matrix, we can have an answer to some of these areas, or actually I'm gonna say all of these areas. So when it comes to an option, we need to put it in one of these character, categories. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, so you can go back. We ought to see if it's a commandment. A commandment, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Pretty clear, no wiggle room. Uh, m- conviction, things that are just core to our faith. Uh, core to our faith in the sense that there is really no wriggle, wiggle room. We've had to maybe do a little interpretation, a little investigation to get to that. And we've talked about that in times past, also the idea of a matter of conscience. And when we get to the area of matters of conscience, it gets a little more tricky because you can be associated with a bunch of folks in a local church. A local church is just a group of Christians, a group of Christ followers. It's not a building, it's people. So you can be part of a local church, group of Christ followers, and you can find that there are different matters of conscience in our midst. And it's really not right or wrong. Uh, There are some things that somebody else feels totally comfortable doing, are not comfortable doing, and it's in that area. And you can't superimpose your matter of conscience on somebody else. And I told you when when the kids were young and we were trying to figure out how to do life and what was acceptable for the Spencer House, I told them one time, I said, you know, there's going to be some things in our church— where somebody's gonna feel okay of doing that and we're gonna say, no, we don't do that, or there's gonna be some things we do do and somebody else doesn't do, and you're not to look at them any differently because they're matters of conscience. Those are, the, those are options. Uh, we could talk about where you send your kids to school. There are some people that feel extremely passionate about homeschooling, Christian school, private school, public school. And it's a matter of conscience. They order their world around that decision. That's a matter of conscience. And it's okay for people to have different ideas about that. How you spend your money inside certain boundaries, it's okay. We look at somebody and go, how could they spend money on that? What a waste. And they're looking at your life and going, how could you spend money on that? What a waste. Or why don't you spend money on that? What, what why are you doing? So matters of conscience. And then there's also conjecture. What is wise? What is the wise thing to do? And sometimes there's situations where it actually changes in life. One season of life, this is the wise thing to do. Another season of life, this isn't the wise thing to do. And you just have to decide. And then there's obviously just choices. Flavors of ice cream. Whatever. Yeah, you know. And it's funny that Christ followers can get more energized about choices conjecture and matter of conscience than conviction and commandments. We get that out of whack when we do that. And, and if you've experienced some of that, I, you know, I want to make an apology to you that, uh, that, that that's not right. That's pharisaical, that's legalistic. And uh, that doesn't mean there aren't right and wrongs, but there are some things that we get hung up on that it's okay for you to personally be hung up on that. But you shouldn't superimpose that on somebody else and to know those things you need to be a good student empowered by the spirit living in your life of studying the scriptures and figuring these things out and through all of this this isn't a compromise statement we need to be connectors not correctors connectors not correctors so we go through and we see what's prohibited we go see where we have permission And then we try to figure out principles. And again, we're trying to connect people uh, to, to Christ, point to him, not always be the spiritual police. And we see the Pharisees doing that to Jesus all the time. It was wrong to heal on the Sabbath. It was wrong to do this. It was wrong to do this. They are correctors, not connectors. Christ came to connect us. And then we find ourselves, again, with all these options, and uh, those are our choices. In John 3.17, we know 3.16, but John 3.17, we see that God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger at the world, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. In our society, in our culture, it would be wonderful for the greater community to know what we're for, not always what we are against. And that, that's hard to do. And we need to be that kind of a person. That's who Christ was when he came to the planet. And so then once we have options, we try to impart some wisdom. We try to figure these things out. Sometimes that does involve asking some other people into our lives and saying, what, what do you think about this? How do, I, how do I navigate this? What do you think? What's been your experience? And, and, and that's good. That's one reason we love having not only Sunday mornings, but we like to sit in circles and community groups so that we can – Cross-pollinization goes on there, and we can help each other. We can sharpen one another. We can explain things. Again, on a Sunday morning sitting in rows, that just doesn't happen, so it's good to build those kinds of relationships. And then as we think about that wisdom, we think about, again, what's uh, beneficial for ourselves and who we are and how we're wired. Uh, we, We take that wisdom, and then we also think about how our witnesses, how we point Christ. There are sometimes decisions that you and I should make for the constructive benefit of somebody else. So sometimes I say no to something that I have perfectly all the freedom to do it, but it's not constructive. And you have to know where the line is. There are some Christ falls out there that make everything a little issue. And so they say, oh, you can't do this. You can't do this. And you go, wow, I'm trying to be a good witness or whatever. So I better not. But that's not what we're talking here. We're talking about pointing to Christ effectively and uh, something I didn't have in your notes and there's another blank there but I want to put this down we also need to take a look at weakness when there's another Christ follower another person that has a weakness in a certain area we ought to willingly sacrifice our right to do something for weakness for example we've talked about this already and we'll get into this a little bit more if uh, you have a friend that struggled with alcoholism Then you invite them over to your house. You don't offer them a beer or a glass of wine. You just don't do that. Uh, One of the reasons we don't, uh, when we serve communion, isn't because it's wrong. We don't have wine. We use grape juice because we never know who's out here. And there might be someone who has struggled with that. And we're trying to be considerate of somebody else. And uh, this is a day and age where it isn't just our world, but it's also inside Christ-following churches where we're not nice, we're not, Considerate. So we need to be considerate. We need to not look down on somebody. Oh, you're so weak. I guess I can give this up. You know, you're you're delighted in helping somebody else. You're delighted with holding something to benefit somebody else. If you uh, only had the opportunity to offer one kind of meal, and you had a young child that couldn't chew steak, would you make them eat steak, or would you say, "Well, we can only have one meal, so we're going to eat." mushed up porridge and we're going to be thankful for it because you get to eat that I get to eat that I have something to eat or would you insist on steak because you can chew it even though they can't chew it and they're going to gag on it you would say that's ridiculous well as Christ follows we need to look at where other people are at so again what is the wisest thing for me to do for my own spiritual health and the health of Others. So then we get into this issue and uh, of the Bible and alcohol. What does the Bible actually say about it? And we're going to look at four areas here as we move through this rather quickly. And if you're a guest this morning and you just happen to show up on this Sunday, you go, wow, I can't believe they're talking about this. This is just what we're doing. So we don't talk about this every week, but uh, this is the week where we're dealing with that. It's too hot to touch topic. So first of all, we realize that it can be good for you physically. We see these studies, uh, and they change just like any other study. Eggs are one time not good for you, now they're good for you, now they're not good for you. All these kinds of studies, but there are studies out there. And even Paul, writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, writes this. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. In Paul's day, in Timothy's day, there was something about having a little bit of wine, and it was real wine. It wasn't fake wine. I've been in places where they say, well, it really wasn't real wine. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no refrigeration, and da-da-da-da-da. It was real wine. And so use a little bit of wine to help you with your stomach. Uh, and this is... This is this is true. Paul's actually saying it. Some of you go, wow, I think I'm going to put that verse over my refrigerator. No, just kidding. Uh, Stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach. But that's not what we're getting at. But that is that there's some that's helpful for digestion. I remember when I was growing up, and, again, I lived in a, in a, in a little more confined uh, culture when it came to Christian faith. And a lot of you grew up in that kind of a thing, and that's just kind of the way it was and uh, you know, any alcohol, any even hint of that, you know, uh, was bad. I can remember my mother had uh, some kind of cooking stuff. She kept way back at the counter, back in this cupboard, like it didn't exist. And she said, don't ever try that because it probably doesn't taste good. And so I took her word for it. But, you know, it was like it didn't exist. And I can remember my grandmother had colon cancer. Her doctor actually said she should have a glass of wine before she goes to bed. And my grandmother was like, can't do that. I, I can't. So I can remember going down to visit her in Maryland, and uh, my dad would go to the package store and get her wine for her, because she didn't want to be seen going into a package store, and bring it in a big bag and kind of like hide it in the back of the refrigerator wherever it went. And and that's silliness. There, there are times where it can be good for you. Here it gets really scary for some of us. Uh, it is also this idea that it can be seen as a gift from God. Figure that. It's in there. Know your Bible. Psalm 104 says this in 14. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He makes the grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate. Bring forth food from the earth. Then verse 15 or 14 to 15 says this. Wine that gladdens the human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. There's this idea that you can thank God for wine, alcohol, and it makes you happy. The fine line is, where is that line? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Even Ecclesiastes, song of Solomon writes, or so- Psalm- Solomon writes this. Go get your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. And I, again, grew up in a culture where sometimes, well, the wine wasn't the same. It was, it, it was, it was the same. It was the same. It was the same. Uh, we see that Jesus' first miracle, recorded miracle, is turning water into wine. I don't even know why. That's the first one, but it is the first recorded miracle. If Jesus, if we weren't supposed to have any contact with that, I don't think that would have been the first miracle. And it's also kind of uh, silly or funny in the sense he used the ceremonial washing area. So when people would come in to eat, uh, they would ceremonially wash their hands in these big jugs, and that's what he uses to make the wine, the it wasn't dirty dirty but it wasn't clean either and that's kind of, ugh, but that's where he made the water into wine and we read that nearby stood six stone water jars the kind used by the jews for ceremonial washing each holding 20 to 30 gallons jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim then he told them now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn it, drawn the water, knew. Here comes the clincher. Then he said to said, Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Each one brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have her too much to drink but you have saved the best till now so the understanding is that you use the good stuff first and when everybody gets a little tipsy the greek word for that is buzzed then you bring out the bad stuff and the master going you did the opposite and so you know again that is in there I remember when I was uh, candidating for my first church, moving from youth pastor to senior pastor at the same place. That was one of the questions. And I said, I wish there was a verse that said hands off totally It would make life a lot easier. It isn't that easy. There's a little given there. It's a matter of conscience. We read on that, you know, you couldn't win with these Pharisees. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, he's he de- has a demon. The son of man, that's Jesus, came eating and drinking. And you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We've all met those people. Doesn't matter what you do, you're wrong. John the Baptist, too, too staid, too stiff. Jesus, a crazy party animal. That's what they said. So what do you do with this? How do you move through this? And we even get the idea that uh, there will be wine in heaven. I want you to know, Jesus, when he celebrated communion for the first time, I want, will not drink this wine again until that day when I drink it in God's kingdom and the wine is new. That doesn't mean Jesus would never drink wine, but it's in this event of communion and the, 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 the celebration of this and the remembrance of this. that's what he's talking about. Even on the cross, they offered him sour wine to help with the pain and put it on his lips. So there he did. He just touched wine again, but that's not what he's getting at. But the idea that that the idea with with wine and the future in heaven, it's a part of the deal. So it can be celebrated, it can be beneficial for your health, but it also can be extremely dangerous for you. Extremely dangerous. I grew up in a home and I've shared with this with you before, where next generation there were alcoholics that lost everything. Everything. And they weren't nice drunks when they were drunk. So some of the thinking in my household is do we have this gene where we would be more readily disposed to this so let's just not play with fire. I can remember my Uncle George, my great Uncle George, successful real estate agent. I can remember going to his house, he and Aunt Irma, beautiful house, everything when I was a little boy. And I remember in my teen years visiting Aunt Irma and Uncle George in a two-bedroom apartment. Aunt Irma now worked around the clock, and Uncle George could hardly get out of bed. That's what happened. It was extremely dangerous for them. So you read this in Proverbs. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It's the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. Don't gaze at the wine seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down for in the end it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations, and you will see crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, cling to a swaying mask, and you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I don't even know it when they beat me up. When, you, when will I wake so I can t- look for another drink? So there are times where it's extremely dangerous. You don't play games with this. You figure it out. There may be different seasons in life, but you just aren't careless with this. It's a gift from God we just read. It can help you physically, but it also can destroy. So you need to be mindful of this. And I wish I could give you a little answer for this for you personally, but you've got to figure that out. And it's not worth playing with fire if it's fire for you. You got to figure that out, and you got to be honest about it. You can play all kinds of games. If you find yourself using alcohol to self-medicate to take the edge off, that's a problem. That's a problem. I've told you that some of you this in private, some of you in public. You know, when I hurt my back, broke my back, I have painkillers, and they're, uh, you know, you know, they're they're. Um, you know, you got to be careful with them. Um, you know, I get so many a month, Cindy takes them, and she doles them out. I've been doing this for like five years because I know how easy it would be to take a couple extra ones. You build up a resistance to it, and all of a sudden now it's a problem. Just being smart. That, that's that's n- no rocket science. You need to know who you are, and you need to handle that correctly die. It's not to take any joy from you. Read that proverb. You can read it again and again and again. You see that that's the dark side of it. you all see the positive side. So it's a fine balancing act for that. Also, it can be exceptionally hazardous for others. Extremely hazardous. Remember when I was uh, in high school, one of the tough guys 17 years old, out with a bunch of his buddies, driving, alcohol, car accident, loses his life. That shaped our high school, Um, can be hazardous for others, and again, I'd rather lean on the side of going the extra mile caring for somebody else than saying, oh, it's not a big deal for them anymore, but you need to know your friends, you need to know your situations. I know this is heavy stuff for you. Some of you I don't want to be responsible for my brother, my sister, my, my other person. But you are. Your life impacts others. Our lives are to make a difference. And when we say make a difference, a positive difference. But our lives can also make a negative difference. And, uh, but we just need to be aware of this and be careful about that. And when we enter into these matters of conscience, we need to take Paul's words to heart so let's stop condemning each other deciding instead to live in a way that will not cause another believer to stumble and fall Uh, sometimes it's it's all kinds of things It's, it's what you watch where you go what you do you others minded Jesus was so others minded that he left heaven came to earth lived as a human being and then died on the cross his eyes were on us. We should have eyes that look out for others. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, we've talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, in early days, it was cheaper to get the meat sacrificed to idols than the meat that wasn't. And uh, for some people, this was a big deal. For some people, it was just finding reasonable meat at the market. And so when he got into these conversations... Even though you might say, you know, it's no big deal, it's no idols, there's only one God, blah, 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 so I'm going to get my meat the cheapest way. Well, that makes sense to you, but then you have somebody else that it just rocks their world. And Paul's saying, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Don't damage someone else's sake. Now, people can take this way too far. There can be legalistic people in your lives that make everything an issue, and they say, oh, that's a stumbling block for me, and, and it's a bunch of baloney for them. But you gotta you got be honest about it. Some people use it to control, but you need to look and see how you can help someone else along. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat a meal or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause somebody else to stumble. For most of us it's about our rights and that's wonderful but sometimes you and i need to say no to a right that we have for the benefit of somebody else includes what we eat and what we drink how we spend our money what we watch sometimes we say no and in the same discussion paul talks sometimes you just don't advertise it you don't make it a big deal it's not you being disgenuine, but you just don't make it a big deal. You don't put stumbling blocks in front of somebody else. So when it comes to alcohol and it comes to wine and hard drink, and you need to figure out what works in your life, what really works in your life, and what works in the lives of those around you. And that may adjust through life. But if you're walking with God and the Spirit's in your heart and you've said yes to Jesus, he will let you know how to interact. He won't make you feel guilty. We're not talking about guilt, but he will activate your conscience. You need to have a soft heart towards God. Sometimes I've had people go, well, it doesn't even bother my conscience. I feel okay with it. I'm going like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This one obviously is outside the bounds. You have a hard heart, my friend. How can you judge me that way? You have a hard heart in this area. At least think about, could you have a hard heart in this area? So so be aware of that. So that's kind of the instructions, the grid of how we look at that. And you know, and I will say this, I'll get this into this in the next subject. You're gonna see, we are also to follow the laws of our land. So if you're not 21, Alcohol is off the table. You are breaking the law. You're breaking the law. And as a Christ follower, we're going to see a passage. You you figure it out. Come back to me and say, well, this isn't what Paul means. This is what Paul means. doesn't mean something else. doesn't mean something else. He means follow the laws. Unless, unless they're contrary to God's law. So that leads us into the Bible, and marijuana. What do we do with this? You know, I I hope we're wise enough that we see that some of the emphasis on this is for people to make money. There's a whole industry behind this. Uh, just, Just watch this little clip.
1: The company that makes camels and pools is joining Snoop Dogg in investing in Sanity Group. It's a German company that develops and distributes cannabis-based medical products. British American Tobacco is one of the largest tobacco companies in the world, and this is not its first bet on weed. Competitors like Altria and Imperial Brands have invested in cannabis. So why is Big Tobacco getting big into weed, especially when it's still illegal in many parts of the world? Well, the cannabis market is growing. And in some markets, tobacco is shrinking. The global cannabis market was valued at 28 billion last year, according to the consulting firm SkyQuest Technology. But it's projected to grow at 32% per year to reach nearly 200 billion by 2028. Tobacco is already huge. The worldwide market last year was around $850 but it's looking at growth of just over 2% for the rest of the decade. A lot of that demand is coming from developing economies. Tobacco companies started selling cigarettes more than 100 years ago, and it wasn't until the 1960s that people realized that smokes were bad for them. Research showing the effects of cannabis is still in its early stages. Some studies already show risks similar to those that turned the world off from cigarettes, like secondhand smoke and exposure in pregnancy. Gen Z seems to think of cannabis as a healthier alternative to cigarettes or alcohol. Could big tobacco be wading into a new health controversy? Only time will tell.
0: There's a huge money generation on the underbelly side of that. Talked about this when we talked about technology in the last year, you know, the longer you and I stay on a social media site the longer the more money they make so they keep putting stuff out there that kept keeps us online keeps us looking at another thing keeps us going keeps us going it's all about money and what's amazing in that that uh area of technology you find that even some of the leaders in those industries the ones that are directing it the ones that are making the most money won't let their kids participate why is that because it's not good for your soul not good for your heart to be in it at that level. Same thing true when it comes to all these other things. So when it comes to uh, marijuana, when it comes to all of this, we need to follow the law. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, it's, it, you know, when it comes to smoking and the health things, you can go and find all this stuff. It's not good for you. Uh, when it comes to adding it to food, when it comes to just playing games because you have a little buzz so you feel a little bit better, that to me is self-medicating. Uh, when it comes to medical marijuana, that's quite a different thing, have no problems with that, but you need to understand this, and uh, it's not just fun and games, and we need to follow the leading of our government, and when our government is uh, a law you want to change, then you should get involved in the political process and help change it when it's just a law, when it's not a necessarily a spiritual right or wrong. Very quickly, listen to what Paul says, and hopefully you can discuss some of this, tease this out more in your small groups, community groups this week. Also, not this after church today, but next week we will do one of those leftovers when we talk about this subject, and we also talk about gambling, and you can ask your questions. We'll be uh, out in the large uh, children's room. But anyway, everyone must submit to governing authorities. Do a little research. What were the governing authorities like when Paul was alive? They were pretty harsh. So it's, it's pretty amazing that he says this. Not even pretty harsh, very harsh. Um, some of those countries around the world that we think are harsh on their people, uh, the Roman Empire, uh, you, know, it, you know, they have nothing on the Roman Empire. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. And that clear conscience is that clear conscience to God. Don't you realize going on another passage when it comes to all these things, whether it's a hamburger, you know, that's, uh, you know, just way over the top. I mean, you can't eat those all the time. They're fun, but you got to, you got to weigh all this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. Should underline that circle that if you're a Christ follower, you do not belong to yourself. I do not belong to myself. For God has bought you with a high price. We just symbolize that through death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and baptism. High price. High prices, those words actually don't encapsulate the concept of how expensive the gift of eternal life, salvation, right with God was. It cost God his son. You must honor yourself yourself. or honor God with your body. You can't massage that to mean something else. That's what it says. So when it talks about the things we bring into our body, we need to say, how does that treat this body that God has given to us? And then we also have to ask, how does it affect my spiritual walk? And how does it affect those around us? It doesn't get any more complex than this. Same bottom line from last week. Go to the Bible and then go with the Bible. And you can bring me up one crazy verse. Well, what about this? And there are some verses I don't completely understand. But the ones I do understand understand. The ones that are clear, those are the ones that I'm responsible for. It's not that I find this one exception kind of idea and I throw everything out with it. Now, if you've never placed your trust in Christ, if you don't know what that's about, there's a little uh, pamphlet called Knowing God Personally Explains That. Obviously, I'd love to talk with you about that. Also, there's a little bit longer of a read. It takes you less than an hour. It says how good is good enough when it comes to your relationship with God. I encourage you to pick those up. They're at the boxes around uh, the building, and I want you to take advantage of that. So would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the gift of a relationship with you through the sacrifice of your son. Uh, Lord, we have been bought with a high, high price. And those of us who have said yes to you, would we take that seriously? Would I take that seriously? There are areas where I need to align myself more with that high price that I was bought with. Lord, help us not to play games. Help us not to delay. Help us not to waste time. Let us be difference makers, not only for our own life and those that are closer, but for our community and greater world. And if there's anyone here who has never said yes to you, I ask that this would be the day of salvation for them, that they'd place their trust in you and begin a new life in you. We thank you for the possibilities. We thank you for the gift. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.